mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 40. I'm Tracy Prophet. And I am Ruth Urquiaga. I'm Jay Prophet. And we are joined today. We are super excited to be joined today by Annalise Record. You want to say hi? Hello there. <laughs> awesome. Well, we, um, several months ago, I would say, we had a guest and we um, put it out there. You know, who else should we feature on our podcast? And we um, had someone recommend you um, to join us. And so we reached out and we knew that you were had sort of a busy time there with the um math summit what's the name? The virtual summit yes, yes the virtual summit and then we are so thankful that you decided to join us today we actually had this scheduled earlier and thank you for being very gracious and rescheduling because of bus issues with my kid <laughs> um you know it's just one of those things we couldn't make it home that day so thank you for joining us tonight um oh, it's not, my pleasure not before breakfast right <laughs> um so, yeah, we're just going to um, ask you some questions, ask you a little bit about the work that you're doing, and um, enjoy hanging out, talking about math. Right. For sure. Awesome. So, first, um, just tell us some more. Tell us about your teaching journey and what you are doing now. Okay. So, um, I began teaching a little later on in life. I was home with my kids for a while. Um, and, and my undergraduate is in sociology, so I didn't have a certification to teach. So, I went back and got my master's degree with certification. And... Um, uh, was certified K-8, and I taught grade five for 13 years. And then uh, by the end of that time in my classroom, um, math was always a passion of mine. I've always loved math, but it really was becoming a, a passion of mine. And our district uh, has title, had Title I assistants that were working with literacy with kids. But then they were moving into help, having them also help kids with math, but they didn't understand the math that we were teaching. And so I said, well, I'll meet with them half an hour a week. And so we did that for a year. And it was super successful and fun. I loved it. And uh, my district created a math coaching position. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, uh, to be able to take on that role. So I was put into the K-2 building and my 3-5 building. So I had a steep learning curve for the K-2 uh, foundations because my the only class I had in my master's program for that involved math was math and literature. So it was even mm -hmm. a literacy-based math class. Okay. So coming out with my degree, certification K-8, I really wasn't qualified to teach kindergarten any more than it was eighth grade. Um, but I think, the, I think the assumption was you'll just be given a textbook and you follow it lesson by lesson and you follow that and you're going to be fine and you'll learn your way through. And, uh, but you know, as we, as we learn more, we do better. And when I think back to those days of how I taught in the beginning years, I just, I cringe, but Robert Kuklinski <laughs> does that. If you look back at your own teaching and you're not embarrassed, something is wrong. <laughs> so, right. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so I was a, a math coach and then I got my specialist uh, certification here in New Hampshire. It isn't a whole program like you went through, Tracy, but um, it's a, a so I'm a certified math specialist. Okay. Um, and then um, I also at the time taught some pre-service uh, college classes, math methods. And so I loved working with the student teachers, knowing that they're about to go out in the world and touch so many lives. Um, and many of them were kind of uh, not fans of math, and uh, some were even very phobic about math. Mm -hmm. And so being able to share through that class um, the things that I was learning about in my own professional learning, and even um, the Math Running Records book, I had them buy that as one of the textbooks in our class. And then they had to do some Math Running Records with kiddos. Mm -hmm. And they told me how prepared they felt going off into their student teaching. That at, before they thought, my gosh, how am I going to teach math? It was not a... Um, it was kind of a concern for them, but then by having the math running records and the way that we were exploring math concepts, the way that we teach it now, um, they felt much more confident going off into student teaching. So, uh, so I loved those years. Um, but then my husband got a new job, Southern part of the state. We moved two hours away. We were in the North country of, uh, um, we were in Berlin, New Hampshire, and now we're down in Concord. And so then I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I've been working with teachers and pre-service teachers. And I loved um, working with every, you know, everything, the kids, the teachers. And so um, I was really um, supported by Christina Tondevold and Dr. Nikki Newton to say, you know what, why don't you go off on your own and we'll help you in any way that we can. And so it's been a life-changing experience for me. So I'm doing all kinds of things now. I'm uh, I'm a consultant, independent consultant. So I do go to schools a lot and do trainings, okay. um, you know, around uh, the Northeast primarily right now. Um, 
but then, um, and then a lot of that work is through the math running records, because um, as I'll, I'm, I'll get into much more detail later on, I, you know, it's become a real big part of my life. And so that's been fascinating and, and wonderful for me to be around sharing that, um, that tool with everyone. Um, but I also, um, so a lot of time I do a lot of online stuff. I facilitate the Math Running Records Facebook group uh, that I started a year ago, May. We have over 9,000 members now. Wow. Yeah, and I also um, facilitate the Build Math Minds Facebook group. There are over forty thousand educators in there. Wow! So it's a, you know, so a lot of my time is being online. But I live in the North Country of New Hampshire, and I, um, you know, I had wonderful colleagues. But in terms of the math passion, um, you know, there were some friends of mine that I could talk with. But I discovered that online community of Twitter and on Facebook, and it just it changed my life to be able to really continue my own learning and my own professional learning and uh and to meet people and uh, and honestly you know meeting dr nikki and, and christina it literally changed my life <laughs> so um so i've been very fortunate with that so i'm very still active with that um i also present for ber the bureau of educational research and i'm going to be going traveling the country this uh this middle of fall so november december and january i'll be all over the country presenting on fluency and word problem types and Cool. Was that too much? No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I want to meet Dr. N- Nikki and yeah. Christina. And I want to meet you. I mean, I guess I'm meeting you, right? This is called virtual <laughs> right. meeting. Yeah, this counts. That's, right. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I did want to mention one more thing that I did this past year, which was uh, wonderful for me. It was working in New York City schools. Uh, Christine King has a company called C. King Education, and she uh, graciously took me on as a consultant. And I was uh, able to stay at her home and we would travel into the city each day. And I was working in some schools in uh, the Bronx and in Brooklyn and just met amazing people. And I just, I grew so much professionally and personally this last year. Uh, Cause I was from Northern New Hampshire. I mean, I grew up in Rhode Island, but I Northern New Hampshire the last 25 years. And we had one Walmart for all of our shopping and to be suddenly in the middle of, uh, of the Bronx, Bronx of my Disney backpack looking for an Uber was just a very <laughs> experience for me. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I think Jay might just got his uh, episode title there. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) I love it. So you talked a lot about the pre-service teachers, which I have that a little bit. The students from the local college come into my classroom and I'm able to help them understand that every single person is a math person. Exactly. Um, And but what kind of a student were you? I mean, when you and I were students... There were people who were math people and there were people who weren't. And there wasn't this, I don't, I don't, is it a movement? Like everyone's a math person Mm -hmm. now kind of thing? It's a revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Be the revolution, Joe Bowler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what was math like you, like for you as a student? So growing up, my, um, my dad was a math professor and my mom was an English um, teacher. And uh, and so I kind of thought I had all bases covered with both (laughs) both sides of (laughs) of them. And, um, so, and I'm growing up, I always remembered, um, you know, rules and procedures. It's kind of a typical recovering traditionalist. So Bill, um, Christina Tondeville calls herself the recovering traditionalist because it's, that's what all we knew. It's all the way I was taught. So I was memorizing math facts, but I did fine with that. I had no problem memorizing and following the rules and procedures. So I thought I was a math person. So growing up, I didn't have any kind of traumatic events. I had a wonderful teacher's um, and so I thought I was a math person and I did get to high school math. Like I remember calculus, I could get my A's and B's in the class, but I didn't really understand what I was doing. I had no conceptual understanding of it. Um, in fact, my son graduated in college with a, a degree in physics. And I said, Matthew, now I'm all about conceptual understanding now. So I'm like, Matthew, you know, what is calculus? Can you describe me in real life terms? He's like, mom, it's real life. It's all around you. Hmm. And I never got that connection when I was taking calculus in high school and then in getting college. Um, and my brother was nuclear subcaptain, and he used calculus to navigate the submarine of all the the men and send some women. He was a captain with the the first one of the first subs with the women officers. Hmm. And um, so the, the thought that someone could use calculus to navigate a submarine like that just I never understood that. Never got that connection. So. Um, I didn't major it in it in, in college. I thought that I might because it was a, a strength of mine. Um, but then I learned about sociology and it just became everything to me. So I, I ended up majoring in sociology. But um, but teaching math and in my classroom, you know, I, my favorite part of the day was the math time. I really wanted kids to understand it. 
But I know now what I didn't know then of, of really how to help kids learn the math hmm. and explore it in concrete, pictorial and abstract ways. And uh, um, and so and so I had a revolution of my own of my own journey through my math journey to be able to get to the point where um, I really understand now the progressions and how the, the strategies we teach at certain grade levels really transcends and, and carries further with the kids down the road. And uh, um I'd be a very different teacher now if I were back in the classroom, of course. But, you know, we, we, as we learn more, we do better. Um, right. That's just, And I continue to learn every single day. I am still learning. But that's the beauty of it. It never gets boring. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And I continue to learn with you guys. Honestly, I'm, I'm uh, walking my new puppy and I'm out on my street listening to you. It's like Christmas morning when I get a new episode that <laughs> arrives on my phone. And Yay. It's, awesome. it's been wonderful. It's, it's, it's really so awesome to be able to... Uh, to, to hear kindred spirits, you know, and say, oh, I think the same thing. It just, I love it. Oh, that's so cool. It is. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, just, I have to, I didn't tell you this yet. We haven't seen each other since, <laughs> since we've taught today. Um, but I, I was, I got to share in a recent episode, I don't think it's come out by the, but by the time this one's come out, then <laughs> the whole um, Civ of Eratosthenes and Locker thing, I got to share that with a teacher today and like a real life way to kind of explore the Civ of Eratosthenes. And she was like, I'm going to do that. And, you know, was saying like, hey, you're so smart. How do you know this? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just surrounded by people that we talk about it, you know, and, and people who are asking good questions. And so I don't know. I just, I was excited to be able to share that today and I'm hope fingers crossed she'll do it tomorrow right. and then let me know how it goes. Oh, that's awesome. So, yep. So we spent a lot, a big chunk of our last episode talking about how Ruth is going to start the year in the classroom. Um, and yeah, she, she's working on, you haven't pulled it together I yet, have, but I've just been in meetings like yeah. all day today. I had 45 minutes where I had to run uh, two errands and be back for another meeting. Yeah. So, so one of the things that we talked about a lot in our, as we were sort of bowling over the beginning of the year was pre-assessment. And so we are wondering from your perspective, what, role running records would play in pre-assessment and thinking specifically like maybe in her sixth grade class and how you would use the data for running records. Sure. Um, so certainly one of the things I run into a lot as a consultant and even on all the um, the, the Facebook groups that I, that I facilitate where the questions come up about math fact fluency and the idea that kids don't know their math facts and it's a constant, constant theme um, of posts. And um, I truly feel that the working of um, of working on math facts through st strategies rather than rote memorization um, is the key for us to unlock the math journeys for all of our kids because it affects everything. So uh, I had seen Dr. Nikki uh, Newton in a um, presentation uh, a few years before, and I really loved all of her work and loved her. Um, and she came out with a new uh, she's coming out with a new book called Math Running Records, and she had a, a webinar about it. So I took that. And I looked, I thought, this is what I need. This is the bridge that I need to help people understand all about early numeracy. Because when I became the math coach, K2, I had to learn, like, how do you teach kids about numbers and about thinking and, and number sense? How do you build that with kids? And the math running record incorporates all of that, plus math disposition, that how we can teach kids that everyone is a math person. There's no such thing as a, as a math brain. Um, and we all can learn and grow um, so I, um, so the math writing record is a protocol. So Dr. Nikki spent 10 years doing research uh, and giving hundreds of these to kids. And then, and the uh, book came out in 2016. Um, it's an interview protocol on MathX and one for each operation. They, they're not different because all based on the research and all the research is in the book. Um, and so you interview the kids with based on a progression of strategies for each operation. And then uh, there are three parts. Part one is a benchmark expression for each strategy. Um, so you can exactly see exactly where the slowdown begins happening. So you're, the, the beauty of the math running record is it measures four aspects of fluency. Typically, when I ask people in my presentations how you define fluency, they say speed and accuracy. I mean, that's what everyone thinks fluency is. And so when you think, well, how do I assess it? The thought is a time test, because if you're measuring speed and accuracy, a time test is going to tell you how fast are they and how accurate are they. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that there's so much more to fluency. Flexibility and efficiency are two other pillars of math fluency. So we need to be able to get a reading on that with kids, and time tests aren't going to do it. I saw Marilyn Burns uh, in California at the NCTM annual conference in April, and she said, time tests had a birth, and they can have a death. Hmm. <laughs> I'll clap to that. I loved it! Because <laughs> I am just adamantly opposed to time tests. Now, 
definitely there are people that that believe that they're important because they come you know on Facebook it kind of goes back and forth in different opinions. But yeah. I'm of the opinion, and I think we can only be affected by what we've already had in our own life experiences. And I have met too many adults, so, so many adults who are traumatized by math, who don't, who dislike math, they hate and despise it. And this comes from my pre-service teachers who are going to be teachers. Math's going to be a part of their life. And when I asked them what went on that made you feel this way, they said, well, time tests. Back when I was a kid, I began thinking like I was not as smart as my peers Mm -hmm. and I, um, I'm not good at math. And it began on their journey that just got snowballed effect. Um, and because we were teaching with rogue procedures, we locked out the math journey for lots of people because we weren't teaching it in ways that all brains could learn. So, um, so the math running record for me is a way for us to really educate people on early numeracy because by learning how to administer the ref running record you're able to clearly see exactly where to begin with the kids uh, and and continue them on their journey but meeting kids where they are in a differentiated way um part two goes in deep with strategies where you ask them what did you just do there's a whole progression um with learning, let's say, to add, where kids begin, this is based on um, Baruti's research, um, that the kids begin with counting all. So if I ask them three plus two, they'll put up three fingers and two fingers and they'll count them all up. One, two, three, four, five. That progresses to counting on. So they'll have the five fingers up, but they'll know that the first three are a three and they'll count on four, five. Uh, and then the next level from that is not putting out the three at all and just counting on four or five with their fingers mm-hmm. and then mentally counting it on four or five. And then they just know there's a five because they've had games and activities to learn um, the, the, the different um, sums. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're aware of those progressions within the interview then. So I can see what set of math facts the kids are struggling with the first one in the progression. And then where are they on that progression from counting all to automaticity? Because I can't take a child from counting all to automaticity in one step. I've got to be aware where are they on that progression and then lead them to the next step. So it gives a blueprint for um, every uh, instructional response to meet the individual needs of the kids. Um, And so we can meet them where they are. So if you have a workstation that's fluency, when the kids go to that station, they're working on what they need. They're not all playing an ad make 10 game because if there are kids who can't even make a five, why are they playing ad make 10? They need the ad make five right now. Mm -hmm. And there are kids who also maybe are decomposing numbers and making a 10 to bridge higher than 10. Why are they doing ad make 10? They know their pairs are tens, you know? So it's it's a a way for us to become aware of the needs of our kiddos and then be able to differentiate uh, and meet them, each of them where they are, um, on their progression, um, and so, take them off on their journey. So I'm, I'm still in the classroom and I'm thinking about my 126 graders. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so if I jumped on board and was like, okay, running records, that's what I'm going to do. What's your advice? Like, how do you logistically make that happen? Do I have to have help from a resource teacher? Do I, how long would it take me? Sure. To- so the math running record takes about 10 minutes for an operation. So um, we uh, we suggest that, that by the end of kindergarten, you can begin giving adding and subtracting. And then first, second grade, beginning of third, to give adding and subtracting. Uh, and then in the middle of third grade, we can introduce multiplication. But then I found in grade four and five, we did uh, subtraction and multiplication because the kiddos, subtraction takes all the kids out. And so we want to be aware of both multiplication and subtraction for those kids. Now, I've worked in elementary schools, K-5. So while they have been departmentalized, they've usually had like two classrooms of kids, 25 maybe in each, mm-hmm. so 50 kids. That's not what you're dealing with with having that many <laughs> students. Um, but I am a lot, asked a lot by people about where would I find that time to give these to kids? And then I asked them, well, what are you doing for reading? And very often they're like, oh, like they have all kinds of data on the reading instruction and they have nothing with math. And so I, I watched my, my building shut down for weeks, no interventions or anything to give down some Pinnell assessments. They take about 20 minutes with each kid, with each level book they are. Um, and so we've got to give equity for the, for the math. If we do it for reading, why aren't we doing it for the math? Now in your situation, there's no way you're going to be able to meet with all 120 kids, right? So what I would do is I would work on the, the students that you're concerned about, you know, the, the mm-hmm. kids that kind of stand out in your mind of what's going on with their thinking. I can't quite figure them out because by listening to their thinking, it just will open up a whole world to you of where they're coming from. We can't, we can't just teach to the masses and hope the kids pick up on it, right? We need to be able to know what are the needs of the kids. So for a teacher who is self-contained, who has, let's say, you know, 20, 25 kids, by doing a math running record, the data that you get, I have a a spreadsheet to, to collect the data. You can then sort it by strategy. 
And then you could that's, that'll be creating where small groups that are already set, you know, what level they are and what set of math facts they need to work on. And then you can create uh, differentiated activities that are concrete, pictorial, and abstract that help the kids explore the strategies to be able to develop hmm. their automaticity. So um, at a sixth grade level, I'd be willing to bet multiplication math facts are not really in place. I'd be willing to bet subtraction will take them out. They'll be oh. counting back. Fingers. I wouldn't um, bet you because I would yeah. lose. <laughs> yeah. I would be on the but same I, and side But I know of that. that it's basic facts, but I find that the basic facts are a foundation for everything. Because the same thinking we use for the foundational facts can be used for larger, um, larger numbers and decimals and fractions. Right. So if I say, let's say eight plus five, you know, the end of the road in the addition progression is to hopefully get the kids to a point where they bridge the 10 so they can decompose a five. Now, we don't want to dictate what strategies each kid uses, but I know that strategy will take them the farthest. Um, and so if I break apart my five into two and a three, that two can join the eight to make a 10. So I can rename eight plus five to 10 plus three, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easier for my brain to think of it that way. Um, but that same thing will forward itself to have I asked someone 48 plus seven. Well, take apart mm. two from the seven to make a 50, the nearest 10. If I ask, I ask a lot of adults in my trainings, 98 plus 17. And a lot of them tell me it's like a number talk. They do it like an algorithm because that's all we're, we've been taught. It's all that we think about. But if you take apart two from that, um, what number did I say? 17. 17. Yeah. Um, yeah. Take away two. Well, it's 100 plus 15. It's 115. Like mm -hmm. it makes it so much easier, a lot more mental math. That's even faster than the algorithm, a lot less error prone. But then you can take that to the four fifths plus three fifths. Mm. You know, whenever I ask people, how would you tell, teach kids that? They tell me, add the numerators, keep the denominator the same. Uh-oh, it seems wrong because there's a large number on top for seven fifths. So you got to divide it by the five. Like it, it's no wonder we lose so many of our students in thinking that they can't do fractions or they can't do math. If you just break apart that three-fifths into a one-fifth and two-fifths, the one-fifth joins the four-fifths to make a whole. It's a whole and two-fifths, right? It just, it makes so much sense. It, it translates to measurement. If I want to add eight inches and seven inches, take four inches off to make the whole becoming the foot. So the same strategies and same thinking of our strategies translate to large numbers and, and decimals and fractions down the road. So it just... It has the power to affect everything. It truly, it truly does. And the math disposition for the kids because you're meeting them in their zone of where they're learning. Mm -hmm. So they're not to feel like if I if I throw an eight plus nine at a student who doesn't know their facts within five, they're they're going to be comparing inefficient strategies and they're going to be frustrated and know that they're not doing uh, things correctly. But if we can build them from where they are and get them uh, along on their journey, they all can get to that place. We all want all of our kids to be automatic with math facts. Mm -hmm. But I really want to de-emphasize the speed uh, because I think uh, we need to just disassociate being fast at math from being good at math, just like Joe Bowler. I'm a huge fan of Joe Bowler's mm -hmm. mindset, growth mindset work. Um, and so, but the, the speed will help take care of itself because if kids are using number sense and using chunks of numbers and not counting by ones, they'll be more accurate and they'll be speedier right more and we'll be building the number sense to do lots of other things when i teach a student not teach I, I say we don't teach the strategies we explore the strategies so when i teach um i said it again when we explore <laughs> the strategy of number relationships let's say like a multiplying by a four and when i show them with cuisinier rods i love cuisinier rods because it allows, allows the kids to see the numbers existing as a group and so if i have let's say um four cuisinier rods of let's say a four times a six I'm able to ask them, well, what do you know for sure? What we can see in the Cuisinier rods that two of those fours, um, two of those six rods makes a 12. Mm -hmm. So what do I have left? Another 12. Like they can explore the fact that anything times four is the same thing as doubling it and doubling it, hmm. right? And so um, so for those kids, when I'm doing a math running record and multiplication with them, uh, I find a lot of students have memorized their math facts, which is totally fine. I mean, we want kids to be speedy and accurate eventually uh, as met with mastery of their facts. The problem is I run into too many kids who have memorized them wrong. Hmm. And so they give me the wrong answer. Well, what do I do with that? How, how do I fix that when they're waiting just for a number to pop in their head? They think it's a a set number of facts they have to memorize. So I'll ask those kids who, do, who can do the math facts accurately and correctly. I'll then ask them four times 17. And that separates out kids who have number sense from kids who don't. Because the hmm. kids who have memorized them, they literally tell me, I haven't learned that one yet. <laughs> They're not yeah. even willing to try to think with a strategy or anything that, that, that number talks help us get to that mental math. So for the kids who have been exposed to that, they're not, they're not shy about trying it. They'll go well, to two 17s is 34 and 34 and 34 is 68. So it must be 68. So I can tell they have that foundational understanding. So our goal with the math running record is to be able to see what level are they 
on that progression of getting automaticity, but also with understanding. So if, you've, if, if you have your automaticity, so you're speedy and you're accurate, but you have no foundational strategic thought, you're not done. <laughs> your mm-hmm. job isn't done with basic facts. I want to work with you on strategies to expand your horizons, be a well-rounded uh, mathematician. So um, it's very, very powerful. And I think it, it explores all the uh, the ideas of the of equality, the meaning of equal sign being a relationship symbol as opposed to an action symbol. It exposes the kids to properties. You know, the, the foundation of multiplication strategies is to distribute a property and embedded within that also is a community of property and the associated property. So mm-hmm. it, it's just, uh, it really is a foundation for all the mathematics to come. And it, it's, it's transformational for, for teachers and for school districts. Um, I've watched it happen. So is- I'm sure that you know we have a list of stuff at the end of our podcast where teachers can access this. Yes. Is there a link that we can access to preview Dr. Dickey's stuff or, I mean, I haven't even looked at it to know how much it costs or. So um, the only thing that you would need to purchase for any of any of it is about a $30 book, Math Running Records in Action. And you don't even have to do that, but I highly recommend that you do because it has all the research in there behind her creation of this. So uh, everything is for free. So the protocols, the interview protocols are available for free. Um, so the, the, um, I have created a Facebook group, um, called math running records that people are welcome to join in. We did a book discussion this summer. And so those, all those questions and prompts will stay in the, um, the Facebook group. So when you go into the Facebook group on the left-hand side, there's a link for units. And I I organized it each week by different operations. There's a, there's a whole week of posts about addition and posts about subtraction. I posted videos of me giving running records. Um, Dr. Nikki has a new website coming out of the math running records that um, is awesome. I just saw it last night and she's got videos of herself giving them. Um, And that's, you know, the, you know, a lot of my work is training districts on these. So I, I'll go to a district and then they'll, I'll be training um, all the employees about how to administer them. But really what I'm teaching them is early numeracy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then the, the ability for them to interview kids and hear their thinking, it just, it transforms your teaching. Because once you know what the kids are thinking about, you create your own instructional response in reaction to that. Hmm. Um, you, know, you get information that you can't get on a time test. There's no way to respond instructionally to that. Right. So, um, so we'll definitely post those links on our, mm-hmm. on our show notes. One of the things, um, well, two things, as you were talking, I was thinking about, and you've kind of said this, how if teachers go through the process of learning how to give the running records, it's very likely that they're exposing themselves to maybe strategies that they weren't aware of. That and, is exactly it. That's and, exactly it. And, know, and then <laughs> they'll know what to look you're for. you're aware of it, it just becomes clear. And so you're watching a child figure out a problem, an answer to a problem, like, oh, they're counting on, or they're counting all, mm-hmm. or they're using a derived fact. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't mention derived facts. Oh my gosh, that's the important thing. <laughs> so it's counting all and then counting on and then counting on mentally, but then the derived facts. I'm sorry. I can't believe I forgot that. It's okay. So, um, <laughs> so when you add like five plus six, if you know five and five is 10, then five plus six must be one more, that relationship between the facts. That's the derived facts strategy. So we want to use the derived facts before we do work to the abstract work of numbers just to try to get um, their thinking. I can't believe I mentioned that's such a huge piece of it. <laughs> it's all good. I, 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 had, I had the best day. I haven't told you about all the fun things I've done today. But one of my good things was that I got asked to do an assessment of a kindergartner that they're not sure that he's in the right spot, that perhaps he needs to be go ahead and be in first grade. And so I sat down and made some notes about our kindergarten standards and just started asking questions, you know, related to this. And I, more than once, he was like, um, he, he knew I was asking them, like, can you figure out how many of that is without counting? And he was very much trying to do it without counting in a lot of ways. And he knew four right away. Oh, it's two plus two. And he knew five. Oh, it's two plus three. He had, he could subitize those numbers, but he, he could see for seven, he could see, oh, it's three. I know three plus three is six. And then one more is seven. So he was like, just walking right through that. It was so, so cool. That is still counting. It's just not one, two, three, four. I wouldn't call it. Counting. I mean, you're finding a count of objects. Okay. Hmm. What do you think? Hmm. I think there's a difference in your verb between counting and subitizing. Well, so, one thing is I've never used that second word my entire <laughs> life. And you're so, not yeah, a, there's a difference You're there. not a primary teacher. So subitizing is when a child can look at a set of number, a set of dots, 
And just knows it. Or objects, yeah. And maybe it's because of the way that it's arranged, like, on a die. Like, right. I just know that's five. That X pattern is always five when you see it like that. That kind of... That kind of idea. Or sometimes they know it's a five because they see a three and they see a two. But subitizing, it's, yes, you are getting a count of numbers. But, but it's not the same as Subitizing um, is amazing. Have you heard of um, Clemens and Sarama's research on learning trajectories? Yes. Okay. Because that's, yeah, that's the phenomenal. Come on, here's so I touch you real quick. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I just referred to it like last week when I taught some teachers. Um, yeah. <laughs> Carry on. So, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So Clemens and Sarama um, have a site called learningtrajectories.org, and that is funded by the Gates Foundation. So it's free for anyone. So if you go onto that site and you create a sample class and a sample student, it'll unlock all the, the um, trajectories for you for lots of early numeracy topics. Okay. So, they so have I, didn't, it I didn't know about the website. So thank you. I just had yes. a book. Okay. Thanks. Uh, they have a, um, it's a progression of uh, ideas from birth to third grade. Um, and like, for example, they isolated, they've done decades of research. Uh, they isolated 20 levels of counting. Hmm. Like how many teachers know there are 20 levels of counting? There are 10 levels of subitizing. There are five levels of decomposition and recomposition. Like who knows that, right? Like Annalise record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Dr. Nikki Newton, I, I absorbed like a sponge, everything Dr. Nikki Newton and, uh, Christina Tondeville say, and I'm constantly, um, you know, learning from from people on Twitter and stuff too. So I just I'm immersed in this world uh, because it's, I'm so passionate about it. But um, but what's so cool is that you can then go in there and see um, videos of kids who are at each of those levels to see what it looks like. There are instructional ideas. There are videos. It's amazing the wealth of knowledge that is on there. So with subitizing, it's not just for young kids. It's also for older kids. We can be subitizing with let's say a hundred grid. And have kids see it as, as 100. So you took a quick look, quick look image, show them um, a grid filled in, let's say, with 52 squares. And then you turn it backward and see, okay, how many did you see? Making them visualize those amounts. Mm. But that same grid can be used for decimals. So what number is this? And that, that quick, lim, quick look image. The quick look image is not to emphasize speed at all. But, it's all. but it is to get the kids to create the visual picture in their mind so mm. that they can't use counting. Because we'll, we'll go back to counting whenever possible. Whenever we're in a moment of stress, um, Christina Tondeville, in one of her sessions at NCTM years ago, said that professional bicyclists pedal backwards when they're about to get into an accident, and they know their bike won't stop. But when we're kids, you pedal backwards, the bike stops. So your brain goes back to what it's familiar with in a moment of anxiety. So when kids are given a math problem and they don't know what to do, they go to what they know, which is the finger counting. So we've got to be able to have them trust and be, be able to be risk takers and, and um, in thinking of strategies and trying out different flexible thoughts mm -hmm. to change their brain pathways, you know, change the way, change the way their brain thinks. I lived through that. I was a very, um, you know, traditionalist kind of teacher. And if I did any kind of mental math, it was all trying to do algorithms in my head, but my brain keeps changing. I I see a lot more things visually now. And I think so much differently. Um, and I'm continuing to, to stretch my own brain. I, I saw Pam Harris at the camped conference, the Texas teachers conference uh, last month. And she's a middle school uh, focused content. And she does a math strat chat every Wednesday on Twitter, where everyone can share their thoughts of how they solve that one. It's like a number talk. Yeah. You share your strategies, yeah. but it presses my own thinking. And I'm doing things now that I never thought I could do mental math, middle school level type things, ratios and proportions. Have you seen so that? Where, I it's have, just it's, unbelievable. It shows up in my feet all the time. And I'm like, I need that. I need that. And yeah. then I need like a file on Twitter because yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, a whole hour has gone by and all I've done is scroll <laughs> Twitter and like, like, like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it just seems like a natural extension to the work that I do. So I'm so embedded now in um, the, the uh, fluency work right now because the book we have coming out as well um, is, is fluency based. Um, but I also, word problem types are so important too. The, the cognitive guided instruction uh, and all the word problem types. That there are 15 types of problems that involve adding and subtracting. Mm -hmm. And those same structures exist with the older grades, except that the numbers are fractions and decimals and multi digit numbers, but the structure is the same. Right. So if we and don't they explore don't all that, end with how many in all, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those keywords, <laughs> you can't be using the, the keywords. The I best had a great, ones do. beautiful <laughs> keyword poster in my classroom. Um, 
but not, I see now the disservice I did to my kids. I wasn't creating criti- uh, creating problem solvers that would persevere. And the keywords lead them astray. Many mm-hmm. times now, because the unknown could be at any spot, they are they're led astray. The word that they see yeah. is not what they're what they're being asked to solve for. And because they're Graham Fletcher calls them pluckers <laughs> that they pluck the numbers out. <laughs> have you seen um, Robert Kaplinsky's video on uh, how old is the shepherd? Yes, I have. Oh, oh my gosh! Thirty-two eighth graders were asked about how old was the shepherd. It said there were 125 sheep and there are five dogs in a flock. How old was the shepherd? 23 of them gave an answer. They did either adding, subtracting, multiplying, or dividing of those two numbers. It was, I mean, you have to laugh, otherwise you'd cry. Yeah. (laughs) But they were eighth graders that just didn't realize it didn't make any sense, that Mm -hmm. they didn't have information to solve. But that's what we create when we have keywords. We're teaching the kids that, oh, there's a, we, we all love our kids. We're all compassionate. We want to help them be successful and feel successful. So we think, oh, I'll teach you that if you see the words in all, it's either adding or multiplying. And then I did that to my kids. We highlighted words on our tests. <laughs> I read it out loud to them. They highlighted the words. Mm-hmm. That's what I cringe about now because I thought right? I was helping them <laughs> and I wasn't doing anything to help them at all. Yeah. They're not being problem solvers. <sighs> Yeah. This, this podcast, not this episode, but this entire podcast should be called So You Thought You Were a Good Math Teacher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, but right. that's, that's why you have to have that philosophy of when you know more, you do better. And yes. it's, a, it's a journey. We're all on our journey. We're just different stages. Right. And that's why I love your uh, your podcast because it exposes that we're all on a journey and it's not easy and it's not <laughs> fast. And so for you to be able to talk about a lesson coming up or how it went, I love your honesty and you're just... It's, it's amazing for educators to be able to hear that discussion. I think that's just amazing. Well, thanks. So you mentioned a little bit about your book and you said our book. Are you the author? Are you sharing it? And what is no, it? No, I'm a collaborator. So okay. Dr. Nikki Newton is the author. Um, I'm a collaborator as well as Dr. Allison Mello. She is a... Um, uh, she works in uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts. She's an assistant superintendent. So Dr. Allison Mello and Dr. Nikki and I have collaborated. It's taken, free, it's taken years um, to uh, uh, to work on it, but we are now today, I was actually looking at the, the PDF of the book itself. It's, gonna, it's being printed cool. and should be out uh, by October. Um, it's called Fluency Doesn't Just Happen with Addition and Subtraction. And what it is, is the next steps because the, um, the math running record itself is the interview to find out where the kids need to begin working but then the journey begins. That's the whole journey is how do we explore these using math tools um, and then pictorial representations in an abstract ways to help the kids develop the number sense and the, the zone of that strategy to be able to move on to the next one. Um, and then to form a foundation for the, the ones to come for the future. So it gives ideas, each strategy is broken down to give ideas of concrete pictorial and abstract activities. There are links to videos and picture books and poems and songs and um, technology and, um, you know, all sorts of resources that you need to go on that journey of exploring the strategies with the kids. Hmm. That Um, sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Exciting. So, um, as you know, this is my first year as a coach and I am really experiencing a lot of excitement of teachers who are, you know, wanting to find out more. They're just, the teachers I've talked to so far are really soaking it up and it's very exciting. I'm wondering if you have some examples of where you've seen that happen, where you've, you know, shared something with teachers and then you've watched them follow through and seen the benefit that it has to students. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so fortunate in the work that I'm doing now to be able to experience that so often now, because wherever I go, people are like, oh my gosh, if I had learned math this way, when I was a kid, I wouldn't feel the way that I do now. It kind of gives them permission to accept the fact that the thoughts that you had your whole life, that you weren't as intelligent as other people or that you're not a math person is wrong. Like it's affected their Mm self-efficacy. I've tutored a lot of um, people attempting to pass the praxis test for math. And, you know, their dream of becoming a teacher is all dependent on them passing a math praxis test. Even if you want to be a preschool teacher, you got to pass that middle school level math because that's the way our system is set up right Mm -hmm. now. Um, and people have a lot of anxiety and phobia surrounding about that, you know? And so, but then I teach, as I'm tutoring them, I'm showing them these visual ways of exploring these concepts. And they're like, well, that's not hard. I'm like, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. they, were, they, they thought that it was unattainable to them because when they learned it, the way we only taught it with rules and procedures, it was unattainable for a whole subset of population of our kiddos. And so, um, so thankfully I'm able to experience that passion, um, Really, wherever I go and, and what I'm uh, and what I'm presenting, there's one particular case um, that I 
am just absolutely thrilled about. I, I began presenting Bureau of Education Research uh, last fall, and there were a couple of people from Rhode Island that had come to my presentation. And they went back to their school and said, we need to have her come and, and do a training. And so there were three um, women who were important in that. Uh, so shout out to Tara and Ann and Kathy from Middletown, Rhode Island. They went to their um, assistant superintendent, Linda, and said, we want her to come. We need this in our district for math. We've got to turn around math. We've been focusing on literacy for so long. We've not focused on math. We, we need this in our school. And so Linda thankfully hired me for many days to come in and work with the staff. And so over the course of um, from January until uh, the end of the year, I was able to do several days of work in their district. And the last thing that I did um, before last week was in May, I went and I was modeling the math workshop model in their classrooms. Mm -hmm. And uh, but many of these teachers had been implementing what I taught them in the previous month. So they've been, they've witnessed the change. Cool. And so to be in their classroom and to be working with kids and they, the kids blew me away. It was so, it was so energizing. It's so exciting for me. Cause very often I'll, I might do a presentation for a day and then I go and I have contact online with people. Um, but I, I'm, I haven't yet been able to go back to classrooms that I've done presenting in, like I have in Middletown. Right. Uh, thankfully Linda was amazing to, to arrange all that. And so, um, so to be in those classrooms and have other teachers coming in to observe, so they're like around the classroom. So there's a little fishbowl of kids mm -hmm. are doing like their four stations activities that I brought and all. Um, the kids loved it. The teachers were amazed at the kind of thinking these kids were doing. Um, and then by the last class, I think there were more adults in the room than there were kids. <laughs> um, and when it was done, the um, and, and during those stations in particular, blew me away that the relationship thinking of numbers that that I hadn't even anticipated myself. I did popsicle sticks of the equality to explore equality, and I had had um, I think it was seven plus five is equal to um, something plus I want to say eight. Um, and so I had it on a popsicle stick and the kids, I, I had a, a number balance. They could check their answer um, if they were, if they didn't know it or not. And um, one little girl said that she knew that it had to be a four. It's like, well, how do you know that it's a four? They said, well, I know that the eight is one more than the seven. So I had to take that away from the five. Hmm. Now I had anticipated the kids were going to add seven plus five and get 12. And then think what plus eight is 12. And I'd be able to pick their brain about, did you add up? Did you count back? Because subtraction is its own beast. It's not as clear as addition is. Right. Um, but when she used her, this is a first grader. Hmm. A first grader seeing that popsicle stick, she knew the number had to be a four because of the relationship. That's what we need to create as a foundation with our kiddos. So for me, it was validation of like, oh my gosh, look at what can happen hmm. to kids and to the teacher environment. It was so exciting. And it, there was an energy in that room. And when I met with the students as the closure at the end of that lesson with those kids, I, and I asked them, you know, their favorite thing that they did, they were also were excited. One little boy raised his hand and he said, I think my brain just grew five times bigger. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, to have that with math and in first grade, like that's just so, so exciting. And then um, uh, Linda has gotten a new job in a different district oh. now. And she tell, told her teachers that, her parting gift to them was to have me come back for one more day. So <laughs> last week, uh, I grew up in Rhode Island, so I'm happy to go there and stay with my brother and visit with he and his wife. Um, but um, so we uh, we got together last week and we were talking about how to start the year. They wanted to do the math workshop model so they can differentiate the experiences for word problem types as well as the fluency. Um, and they want to help in how do we think through that? What can we do to prepare? They all volunteered their time. There were 10 women. 10 educators from that district that came and sat around a table for an entire day with me wow. because they're so energized to start their year off. Like if you can have that, that bit of contagious enthusiasm from people, it will just carry on to others. And then the, the, it'll be a far reaching impact. I, it's unbelievable to have a whole district have be excited about wanting to teach math and to volunteer their time to come in to spend a day with me. It's just, it's awesome. So that's, that's what keeps you going, you know, and, and to feel like you're changing kids' lives. They, they're not going to grow up to say that they hated math. They go be able to, they'll be confident and they'll be flexible thinkers and they'll go further in their math journeys than any of us ever did <laughs> because That's they've awesome. been taught in ways that they can learn. I was overwhelmed with all the stuff before I got here. And now I have like four more websites to look at <laughs> and learning trajectories <laughs> to figure out. And you're like all the way down talking about addition strategies, which in a sixth grade classroom, I know that I'm going to have students who don't know those strategies mm -hmm. and I still need to teach those. Um, I also have had some parents who've come to me and said, 
last year my students were in the advanced class, and this year there's not an advanced class, so how are you going to meet their needs? Um, and I've convinced them that I have lots of tasks and give me three weeks, and they can email me if they don't feel like their child's being challenged. But I'm really feeling overwhelmed. Like, what do I do first? What's most important? Right. And now I have math running records and this preset, <laughs> like, oh my word, how do I, I know. you know, what do I choose? I don't know. What's your advice? How do I make this feel like? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There doable. is, there is so much, there's so much. And that, that I found that for myself, I had to stop uh, doing Pinterest. It was, I was going down the rabbit hole and I thought I got to maintain my own sanity because <laughs> I kept thinking that I wasn't doing anything right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's really important to preserve your own sanity for sure. So you want to pick some, I would say, pick something, pick one thing and do it well, and then add on another one when you feel so ready for it. So what's your one thing that I should pick? <laughs> my one thing would be number talks because number talks at your level will have embedded within them the strategies that will then get translated to basic facts as well. Hmm. But you're at a sixth grade level. So if you're doing a number talk and you give the students four fifths plus three fifths, see how they solve that. And if they are adding numerators and keeping the denominator the same and then thinking that because it's a large number on top means that then you get that enlightenment of like, oh, they're not thinking number sense with fractions. They need to be able to decompose their fractions or, or decimals. If you ask them, uh, eight tenths plus five tenths. See what they do. If yeah. they're going to say 13 hundredths because they just added eight plus five and put a decimal point down randomly, you get a sense of that. But if, if if a student might say to you, well, I know five tenths and five tenths is a whole, and that's three more tenths because the eight tenths is five tenths and three tenths. Or maybe someone else breaks apart the five tenths into two tenths and three tenths. And so the eight tenths and two tenths makes a whole and there's three tenths. Those kind of things are laid out in the Sherry Parish book of um, number talks. I have- Fractions and, and percents, but that will I have that one in my that, drawer with I know, I know books but, see, we read this summer. <laughs> but that's what I'm so much about in uh in, in my work is that these progressions that exist, the Graham Fletcher videos that show the progression throughout various grade levels of how what we do at the start will affect what comes down the pike. Right. Um, you can see that kind of trajectory happening. And so by by being able to, um, you know, to use number sense with our calculations, decimals and fractions, we're going to be opening up a world to them of thinking. And sometimes it's even more efficient to think that way than it is to do the algorithms. Right. Um, but um, but certainly the math running records, I, I love them. But you're a sixth grade teacher. So I would think that um, it's probably best right now that if you zoom in on the kids who are who are presenting themselves as not quite getting the grade level content right now to figure out uh, where are they? Where do they need the help? Because even though it's basic facts, it does lay that foundation of their number sense. And are they thinking strategically or are they, or are they stuck in the counting progression? Pam Harris, you've got to start following her. She's amazing. Um, she has a wonderful icon. We, we, um, we should link to it in your in your podcast notes. Yeah. There's a whole progression of the kids' math journey, which it begins with them thinking about counting reasoning strategies, which progresses to additive thinking which progresses to multiplicative reasoning and then proportional reasoning and then functional reasoning at the high school. That whole progression. So when you think about kids who are trying to do a multiplication problem uh, and they're counting by ones, each of the groupings, they're back in the counting reasoning, which is the very, very beginning of the progression. When you're skip counting, you're in the additive thinking. When you're multiplicatively thinking, you're doing distributed property to do partial products. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being aware of that was by an eye opening for me as well mm-hmm. to move the kids to multiplicative thinking. And we can do that by sympathizing activities. We can put dot patterns up on the board and have the kids figure out how many are there. Some kids will count them by ones. Some kids will skip count the rows or columns, but other kids could say, oh, I see an array of a four by five. That's 20. And they're using multiplicative reasoning. Mm-hmm. So doing those kind of daily routines, I think daily routines can be so powerful. You know, doing a number talk, doing a, um, quick look image of amounts that are fractions and, and decimals. Um, so for, for at your level, that would be uh, super important um, and powerful work. There you go. You got your answer. Whew. You can do it. I can do it. <laughs> now I do um, on my Facebook group, I have created what's called a Padlet. Now a Padlet is a webpage. It's not affiliated to Facebook at all. So it's available to anyone. We can link to it on your show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, on that Padlet are all kinds of resources. So I created mm-hmm. a Google Drive folder. Um, that has folders in it for each operation and then in each operation, each strategy and within each strategy, a pictorial, a con- concrete pictorial and abstract 
uh, materials wow. all for free. I want it to be for free for educators. This is not anything to, to pay for. Um, now it's not full of stuff because I'm, I'm relying on our community of educators to work together and beef up those folders so that all anyone has to do is just to kind of go in the folder of that strategy and print out some activities and games, put it in a bucket for the kids. And then the math running record tells us which kids go to that bucket. And then they're able to differentiate the, the experiences mm -hmm. for the kids. Um, so that's an excellent link on the Padlet. I also link to all the things like learningtrajectories.org, that site I've linked to. It's a beautiful um, way of organizing resources. Cool. So, um, but you need the direct link. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you that link so that you can post it on the show notes, but it's a really wealth of information. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I think that'd be really helpful Thank to you too. Um, yeah. So Ruth often talks about drinking from a fire hose. I feel like we have <laughs> drank from a fire hose. This, you've shared so many things. Is there? I know. I'm sorry. I just no, get it's talking. good. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Is there something that we haven't asked you about that you you wish you that we did? There actually is because okay. um, I, I, I made some notes ahead of time. I wanted to make sure I did mention certain things. Um, so, um, oh, first of all, so the the Facebook group that I created. Um, we also, I also created videos for each strategy, adding and subtracting and using math tools. So things like Cuisinier rods, uh, cubes on 10 frames, uh, rec and recs, all those kind of math tools we can use to explore them and then thinking behind it. So that's also on the Padlet as well. So if anyone doesn't have any ideas of teaching those strategies, they're welcome to, uh, to check that out. Cool. Um, I also wanted to mention that, um, podcasts have changed my life as well as online world. And so I really highly encourage people to check out your podcast. I mean, I, I, I wanted to make sure I, I thanked um, Pam Jones. Pam Jones is one of my closest friends. I mean, we, she's a math coach that was in Maine and she Facebooked me. Uh, she was kind of following me on Facebook and all. And she saw I lived in New Hampshire. She's like, oh, I think we live near each other. And we became like closest friends within meeting each other instantly. Cool. And she's my biggest, my biggest supporter. So she's the one that messaged you guys about oh, yeah. having me on the show. Um, but <laughs> but um, I was visiting her over, over this last year and she said, I don't know what I'm going to do, Annalise. I'm listening to this podcast that I love so much. What am I going to do when I've run out of episodes? I'm like, well, what is it called? <laughs> She's like, it's called Math Before Breakfast. So well, I got to check this out. And so I began listening. And now I'm, I'm an addict, of course, Yay. every week listening to you guys. Um, but there was one awesome. time you had a conversation about proportional reasoning, I think, and about Cuisinier rods, which mm -hmm. are my favorite math tool. And I took a picture of it and sent it to you guys. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned my name on your podcast. Yay. Show. So said this, and I'm like, is there a different Annalise in the bathroom? Is that me? That's awesome. And so Pam texted me. She's like, my world collided. I just heard your name on Not before breakfast. That's awesome. I just listened to that episode because it's season two, right? And so I'm starting to redo last year and I I just keep listening. It's like having your lesson plans and sure. like, like, Oh yeah. Reading your reflections. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a really good idea. I need to make sure I <laughs> that do that. That was a great idea I had last year. Yeah. This time. So <laughs> I just listened to that, the whole like proportion and using the cues and air rods. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Cool. Um, and so, um, so I also wanted to mention that, um, cause Two of my math mentors are Dr. Nikki and Christina Tondevold. I just mm -hmm. love them so much. They're so generous and they're so kind. Um, and each of them has podcasts as well. And they're shorter. So Dr. Nikki has one called Everything Math, Dr. Nikki. She just posted today about an equity um, series of 10 episodes coming up on math equity cool. and education. Uh, and then Christina has one called Build Math Minds. She has a professional development site called Build Math Minds. Mm -hmm. And I, I create teaching content for her site. So I, I, I do um, do consulting work for, with her on the Build Math Minds site, but hers is Build Math Minds. And each of them are, are less than 10 minutes long. So it's like whatever you're in the mood for. Like I, when I have a short burst of doing something, I'll listen to one of those. When I have a longer time in my car, I turn on yours. Um, you know, so, so it's, it kind of serves a variety of purposes. Yeah. Cool. Um, and also Making Math Moments Matter with uh, John Orr and Kyle Pierce. That's mm -hmm. been a fabulous one for me mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I just think it's wonderful for everyone to to have their own professional learning yeah. in the comfort of your home. It's just so nice to be able to uh, to do that. I'd um, like to give a little shout out to my school because they actually this year for the first time did IPDP. So it's independent professional development. Cool. And we get to just pick what wow. we want to be developed on. And then we just have to write a reflection. And so... All those books that I read this summer mm -hmm. meant that I didn't have to sit in a professional development that they tried to make 
equitable for teachers pre-K through 12th grade. Mm -hmm. But now everyone in the school, secretaries, everybody is doing something that is professional development. That's cool. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully everyone's going to get on board and it's going to be successful. So they don't get rid of it next year. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) One of the things that, um, that helped me a lot when I was first was finding the online community was on Twitter, the elementary math chat hashtag. Mm -hmm. So it's hashtag E L E M math chat. Mm -hmm. And it meets every Thursday at nine o'clock our time, Eastern time. Okay. Um, But you can just be a lurker. You don't have to post anything. You can just, it's, it's a live chat. Um, I'm a very, um, I'm a gregarious introvert. Like maybe talk about math and I just talk, 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 but any social situation, I just shut right down. I'm very quiet. So I would, I really did Jay's just looking at read. me like, Oh, you just found your kindred spirit. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> so I just like to, a lot of times, you know, just read the posts and, and not post anything. So is you're on, if you're on there at nine o'clock, Eastern time. And this year's lineup, um, Melanie Nagel is someone that is the one that organized this years ago. Um, and she just knows everyone and she's just the biggest love of a person. And, um, and so Joe Bowler hosted it last yeah, week. I saw that. Like Joe Bowler hosted. It. Yeah, that's cool. It's just so cool. The more that I've been immersed in this world and, and met people, they're just the kindest, loveliest people, community mm-hmm. of people they're like they are like kindred spirits. You go to a conference and it's like, oh, you just feel instantly at ease with people and uh, and it's wonderful. So I would invite everyone to to uh, check that out. I'll be hosting one in a few weeks on Cuisinier Rods. Ooh, it's my yeah. favorite math tool. Oh. And a lot of people have them, but they collect dust in their rooms. So they don't know how to use them. Yeah. So my, I'll be hosting one uh, coming up soon on the Cuisinier Rods. Awesome. Um, and I just wanted to thank you guys for having me. I really appreciated the opportunity to be able to uh, share the, the work that I'm doing, I really feel like it's important work to be able to change the math journeys of all of our kiddos and even mm-hmm. teachers. To have teachers, I find, I find a lot of teachers who have hated teaching math. They tell me how much they love teaching math now, and they never thought that was possible because they loved literacy. Yeah. Um, awesome. But I always tell everyone that there is nothing elementary about teaching elementary math. I think there's a, a conception out there, a misconception that teaching math to kids is super easy, and it is not. There's mm-hmm. so much expertise. I mean, 20 levels of counting. Yeah. Come on. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is so true. Well, we have really appreciated having you, Annalise, and have learned a lot. Like um, I have a whole page for us. Yeah. Stuff to do. Yeah, yes. you really do. Um, we Like always, we like to end with a takeaway. So I have mine ready. I'll okay, go first. Go mine is um, – the trajectory website, I'm going to have to check that out. I just referred to that book when I talked to some teachers and I made a little video um, recently. And But I was like, yeah, this is a great book, but you know, you don't have it. So I don't know how you're going to find the information. But, <laughs> but the don't fact you wish that- you were me. Yeah. No. So the fact that I can refer them now to this website is super cool and I'll be checking out. Yeah. That you one. have to create a sample class and a sample student and okay. then all the content unlocks. I can't That's wait to see that. Awesome. Yeah. So I think for me is the Padlet, the Padlet that you were talking about, but also yes, this whole running record thing mm-hmm. and being able to take it back to my building and share it because our school has recently, they bought Jennifer Bay Williams and the other author of that Math Facts mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Gina Kling. Yeah. yeah Gina Kling. Kling. Um, and each elementary teacher was given that book and they've also were given fluency packs of games to play in their classroom and now if they could have access to a running record to see how it's like where to start them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to have those games, but if you're not tailoring it to the needs of the kids, it's going to be a struggle. So if you can zoom in and know exactly where to begin, then they start their journey and they go forward from there. It's, it works very, very nicely hand in hand. Absolutely. Yep. Jay, you got to take away. I learned that subitizing is counting without counting. Nice. <laughs> that is good. And there are 10 levels of subitizing. Yeah, yes. well, I, I can't spell one, so we'll get to there later. <laughs> All right. Annalise, do you have a takeaway? I know you, uh, the whole I, thing. <laughs> I just brain dumped on you and I feel sorry. <laughs> no, it was good. <laughs> it was good. We so much appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. My, my absolute pleasure. So we will make sure this is this show, the show notes for this one. It's going to take us like three hours to put we together. Get started now. I know. Right. <laughs> yep. But we will, we will put all of your links there and people can come check them out. And 
I encourage like your um, check out your book and your, your Facebook pages. Yeah, and elementary the, math chat, the Cuisinaire Rod chat coming up. So yeah. awesome, lots of yeah. cool things. Thank you so much for sharing. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. Well, I'll see you tomorrow on a run for real. A ride. A ride. That's tomorrow right. Tomorrow we're gonna ride. Oh, bikes. it's bicycle day. It's bicycle yes. day. We've we've added that into our Ooh. our uh, routine here, so it's going well. As long as we can ride side by side and still talk. Yeah, it'll continue. Because <laughs> why exercise if you can't talk about math? That's what I gotta say Amen. about that. <laughs> you want to join right. us for our, for a bike ride, Annalise? <laughs> I would love that. I really would. <laughs> well, awesome. you start now. You might get here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank All you. right. Thank you. Take care.